Peace, peace, and welcome to another installment of Cook on Monday Morning. At Cook on Monday Morning, we are building lives that make us excited about Monday morning. We believe that if you can own Monday morning, you can own the week. If you can own the week, you can own the year. And if you change your year, you can change your life. I have uh, a young phenom in the filmmaking space on today's episode of Cook on Monday Morning. Right out the gate, she's made a documentary that uh, was incredibly inspiring and eye-opening and impactful. That's based in the great city of Baltimore. Uh, Miss Emily Stubb, uh, film Deserted. I had the opportunity to participate in a panel with her alongside some other community activists and educators to talk about the issues of food deserts in the great city of Baltimore. I'm excited to talk more about that film today to get into her story. Uh, and, you know, see where she uh, wants to take her new and hopefully very long career as a creative. Thank you, Emily. I appreciate you doing this. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. You grew up in Baltimore. Yes. Tell me a little bit about your family, your upbringing. Yeah, sure. Well, Baltimore is my city, but I technically grew up in Baltimore County. Um, and I grew up in a pretty forested area. Grew up in a family of creatives. Uh, both my parents are architects and I have a whole family of artists. Um, so art has been a part of my life since I was a kid. And so has the environment. Um, those two have been threads throughout my life. Um, I think growing up in a forested environment. We had this stream behind my house um, that my sister and I would spend hours out there just like pretending to live off the land. And I think growing up in nature definitely made me feel more connected and fostered this like just deep love and appreciation and desire to protect it. And yeah, it was, a, it was a great place to grow up. I've, I've never had the opportunity to, to visit Baltimore County or Baltimore. I think I was, I was in Maryland once as a youngster, and I definitely had crab cakes. <laughs> One of my early memories of uh, Maryland. And then my reintroduction to Baltimore was through the TV show The Wire, which <laughs> I mentioned during <laughs> our panel together. Your documentary gave me you know, another slice of the city that was much fuller. And I, and I, there is a lot about your upbringing that I kind of want to get into, but uh, let's, let's launch a bit into the documentary. So uh, Deserted, right? Like talk a little bit about what Deserted is. Sure. Yeah. Well, so Deserted is a 20 minute short documentary um, that looks at food apartheid in Baltimore. I, I guess, I mean, we'll get into this when we talk a bit more about the backstory, but I made this film as my thesis. So it really, it was my first opportunity to make a film and like own a film. I have always loved food. Um, I think within the environmental niche, food has been like food sustainability has been where my passion really lies. So when I had the opportunity to make my first film, I wanted to focus on food um, and a lot of films have been made about the food system, you know, it's unsustainable, it's 
broken in many ways, um, but who's being affected by that? And so I was really interested in exploring this intersection between food sustainability and social justice. And um, in college, I studied, I double majored in um, documentary filmmaking and environmental studies. And to me, uh, filmmaking is a vehicle to make change and to, you know, get conversations started. And so to me, the environmental studies curriculum, like, yes, we're learning about the environment, but a large part, um, because I was more studies than science, a large part was focused on humanity and, you know, our experiences in the landscape. And so, you know, environmentalism to me is caring about all living beings because we're just, we're so deeply connected in this system on this planet. So in making this film, I wanted to kind of backtrack and start with the consumer. You know, how are we being impacted by the food that we have access to? And in this country, there are a lot of barriers that have been put in place that determine who can access what um, and what foods are available in certain locations. It's a short um, and the time frame that I had to make the film was pretty small. So I'm currently working on expanding it into a feature, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, having, having watched it more than once, uh, it's a little over 20 minutes, but you touch on a lot of important issues. And I want to spend a little time unraveling that and maybe we can, we can continue to get into your story as we, as we do that. Um, when, you, when you started describing the film, you said food apartheid. Mm-hmm. So explain uh, exactly what that is and, and why you think that term is appropriate for Baltimore. Yeah, that's a good question. Sometimes Bye. my questions are good. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, look at to you. <laughs> I, I guess I'll start by saying food desert is the term that people probably are more familiar with that is used more frequently. Um, but I believe, and many other people in this field believe that that just does not um, accurately describe what's going on. You know, healthy food shouldn't be a privilege. Everybody should have access to healthy, fresh food because, I mean, we all need to eat to survive. Like that is one of the basic things of what it means to be human. There are systems that have been put in place that, cancel that don't allow that to happen and you know this this thing that's so central to what it means to be human has been monetized and commodified and it's been done by design um you know as eric jackson from the black yield institute um, here in baltimore said in the film you know where you live impacts your palate and you know your palate is shaped by what's available to you And government policies, you know, over, you know, since the beginning of the 1900s have shaped who can access and what they can access for generations. Um, So food apartheid implies that there's, you know, this didn't happen by accident. There are structures that have been put in place that have created this environment that we see. 
And, and this applies to the entire country, not Baltimore. I mean, mm-hmm. I focused on Baltimore in my film because that's where I'm from. And so I, you know, kind of wanted to put a microscope on it. Yeah, this is a problem, not just in cities, in rural areas as well. Um, it's, it's a big issue. Yeah, there, there are several policy issues um, that will be important to dive into related to Deserted. How'd you come up with the title? That's a good question. <laughs> I was kind of under the gun. My professor was like, write down the title for your film right now. And I just, that was the first thing that came to my mind. Kind of was playing on food desert. These environments have been deserted in a sense. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very catchy. And I, yeah. think, I think, I mean, catchy in a way that is like moving, not like, ooh, that's cute, you know? But like, it's, it's like, there's meaning uh, in this, and. I would say it's like, um, I mean, there's, there's a lot packed into it, right? Because even as you connect it to this idea of food apartheid, which uh, I think makes sense if you are trying to relay that uh, government is intentionally, because apartheid was like, a obviously, people may not know, like a structure that prohibited um, Blacks in South Africa from going to various places without papers. And it was a very oppressive system, segregation, right, for the U.S. and redlining, which in redlining you touch on in the film. So deserted, at least for me, and this is a good thing about you being a creative, like you put something out there and then a bunch of people can say, oh, this is what it means to me. (laughs) uh, That's the best part, kind of, you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, The community has been left behind, right? And uh, by its government, like residents have been failed by their government. They're left out to dry. but then it also kind of relates to dessert, which is only um, relevant because a lot of what you see in the film is like unhealthy food that tastes good. That's what you've seen in a lot of our communities processed, unhealthy, um, you know, taki and cream cheese and like, you know, stuff that I grew up eating, right? In, in the neighborhood I grew up in, the, I grew up as a part of a community that has similar food access issues or, uh, home, a home life where like, uh, yeah, you went to the corner store, you went to the corner store to get whatever. Um, so what, what's your How do you interpret my read of the title? How does that land with you? I like it. I don't think anybody's really broken it down for me before. So I'm, I'm digging it, but yeah, I mean, I think it, I appreciate your read first of all. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wanted it to be intriguing. You know, I didn't want to just like lay it all out there like a big sentence. I'm a big fan of one word titles. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot to the issue. Um, and so it is hard to sum it up in one word. But yeah, I think, um, like you said, it's kind of playing on the type of food and also the action, the actions behind it. Yeah. And, and so you nailed it. You were under the gun. You just got it out there. That's probably a better way to have it happen. Yeah. I had been meditating on that for a while, but like couldn't commit to it. Uh-huh. And then when I was put under the gun, I was like, all right, it's all right. That's what it is. So, yeah. But. And you, and so you did this while you were a senior in college. Yes. And you've now graduated. I'm now graduated. Yes. Where'd you go to undergrad? I went to Ithaca College. Yes, I need to shout out Ithaca because they supported this film for sure um, and some funding. So 
Big shout out to my school. But yeah, it was such a great experience. I, I love my school and um, I'm so thankful for the education that I got there. Um, double majoring in environmental stud, studies and documentary film was, you know, when I was looking for schools, that's what I was looking for, a school that had strong programs in each. And um, Ithaca made the cut. So, yeah. I remember we talked about that. We talked about Ithaca in our conversation before the podcast. Um, yeah. So, so from Baltimore County, uh, went to school at Ithaca. While you were, were you going back and forth between campus and, and Baltimore to film this? Like, what was the timeline like? How long did it take to film? Yeah, we filmed everything in a week. So we... Um, came down during our spring break and um, shot everything in that week. And, um, you know, there are a lot of scheduling conflicts that, you know, came out of the blue and we didn't get to spend as much time as I had planned um, with Anthony, um, my main character. And, um, but we made it work. We made it work. You know, it was also tough too, because we got so much material that cutting it down to 20 minutes was so difficult that, you know, we only really scratched the surface of all the activism that Anthony is doing. And, um, you know, I don't even know if we would have had time to include everything. So, yeah, I got to try to get Anthony on here too. So when you say we, who, who was we, who, who was involved? Yes. Shout out to my team. Steven Nunley and Rebecca Vandermolen were on camera. And Zach Martin was my editor and um, he did all the animation in the film. So it was a small crew. Um, we stayed at my house uh, to shoot, um, which helped save some money. <laughs> um, but it was quick. It was quick and dirty, kind of. You know, we just kind of went in and, you know, there were a lot of, I think we got a well rounded group of people in the film, but there were a lot of people that it just like timing didn't work out. And it was tough because we were working under this constraint of the semester, which isn't typical when you're making a film, you know? So there were obstacles we kind of had to work with, but um, yeah, it came together. Yeah. I thought the, I thought the editing and animation was on point and uh, the quality of the film. Um, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have guessed, I mean, with, with the access to, better quality equipment i don't really know what you used but um i think the assumption is that if it's a college project it's not going to be as top notch as the one that you all put together you know for some from a lay person right but uh but it's good it looks like professionals did it you know and um and so shout out to your team as well was it was it how did y'all come together did you like ask them all, were you in the same class? Like, well, how did it work? Zach was also, he was also in the thesis class. And so I, I pitched this topic to the, to the class and, you know, this is my film. This is the film I want to make. And, um, you know, these are the positions I'm looking to fill. And so he, you know, he was interested in it and um, reached out to me. And then Stephen and Rebecca, they, um, we're not in the class, uh, but our beautiful cinematographers and, um, they were very into the project. 
The stars aligned on this because Rebecca was shooting a different documentary in West Virginia. And it was like the second day of shooting and she, you know, was, it was kind of left open. Like I'm working on this other project. I don't know if I'll be able to join, you know, the stars aligned. She ended up driving back up North on their second day and she just stopped in Maryland. She was so tired, but she did a great job holding the the rig for a week, <laughs> two weeks. So it was good. And I appreciate your words on it. I know I probably shouldn't open it up. Like I, this was my thesis. Um, but no, you should. What it was. You should. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, up and coming, great young talent, like all those things are things that people like fresh perspective, right? Like who is Emily Stubb? Oh, you did this out of wow. Imagine if we put some actual money behind you, what you could do. Like, oh, those are all things I think that, and people I think are, I mean, I, at least in my experience, I've seen people be excited about anybody passionate to put a project together, but especially if it's as meaty, um, as it is, as yours is for a person that's like right out of school, you know, like you have a lot uh, going for you and, and, your, and your team. So like by comparison, when I was in college, I got into filmmaking and I did music videos, right? And um, the thing that I loved about the projects is, is definitely, definitely nothing that is like serious. That's <laughs> what you did, right? But the, uh, what I learned about myself, which has served me well in my career, like the experience I got trying to put it together, the stuff not going well, everything in school was like, oh, this is the outline. These are the deadlines. Get You do it for the grade, you know? So this was my first experience. Like there is no grade. There's just an idea. I got to pull it all together. Stuff happens. You got to figure it out. And then I just became really, it was like super stressful. And I was like really obsessed, right? And then when it was over, I missed it. That feeling like trying to build something is what filmmaking gave me when I was in college. It's, I think it's, and I definitely think it's the reason why I believe that I can go out and just like try some stuff because I got that experience doing that. Um, is filmmaking something that you see yourself staying in or do you have interest in other fields or? Yeah. Well, first I just want to comment on that. I love that. The music videos. That's great. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Filmmaking is just such an intimate process and like you're in it, you're in it. And then once it's over, it's just, it's, it's a sad goodbye. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, filmmaking, I kind of, um, stumbled into filmmaking a little bit. Um, I, like I mentioned before, growing up as an artist, like I was always making things. Um, I've been making art since I could hold a paintbrush and I loved experimenting with different mediums. I went to a magnet high school, an arts magnet high school where I focused on photography and, um, painting and drawing. So the, I should shout out to my school, George Washington Carver Center. Amazing school. Yeah, named after one of the greatest people ever. Uh Uh (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so, yeah, the early uh, years were really just building your foundational skills of painting and drawing. 
And it wasn't until I moved into my senior year of high school that we had AP Studio, where we just got so much freedom. And I moved more into the making art with meaning versus the technical side of it. Mm-hmm. And that was when I really started to use art as a way to express larger ideas and start a conversation around different topics. And I connected the um, environmental piece then. So I was making, um, I did this series of recycled weavings where I cut up aluminum cans and wove them together, um, kind of like unraveled them into like little strips. And um, another that was, uh some configuration of plastic bags in six pack soda bottles and that was kind of my comment on you know our personal footprint the waste that we produce as humans um and yeah so high school was really that transition from just environmentalism and art to activism and art mm-hmm. and um towards the end of high school, uh, my environmental science class and my English class, something lined up there. And I read Fast Food Nation in my English class and at the same time um, was showed Food Inc. in Mm -hmm. environmental science. And the combination of those two pieces just like lit a fire and just sparked this passion in me that I knew that that food sustainability was a conversation I wanted to take on in my work. You know, that was kind of that transition. And this just disbelief of just these injustices that were happening. And I wanted to use my voice as an artist to make change. And so Food Inc. was really an important piece or moment in my journey um, just in... I think, you know, realizing the power of documentary. And so then in college, that's when I kind of traded the, you know, more tactile mixed media for the digital landscape. It'd be interesting for you to share a few behind the scenes stories about the making of Deserted um, that kind of highlight moments where that challenged you. And I also want to talk about race. And uh, and how you thought about that when approaching the film. And so, with when I was talking about making music videos and stuff not going well, right? Like one example is uh, everybody got high, and so it's a music video. They're drunk and high, <laughs> and I can't find the person that I need for the thing, or. Um, there was a, there was some turf stuff that was happening, so people got upset with each other, you know, and and it was it put me like in a very very like uncomfortable situation, and I had to try to resolve and like move around or whatever. You talked a little about scheduling conflicts. Was there any like drama that happened with you and your team, or uh, you and the other subjects, or like what like what comes to mind? Was it all smooth and, and peachy? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I feel like I was my own worst enemy a little bit because I just like really, I don't want to say overbooked, but I packed our schedule. Like we were, 
burnt out a little bit, you know, after the first couple of days, cause I just like stacked, um, stacked so many things. Like the first day we had all the interviews with the kids. And so that was like a full day at, um, Southwest Baltimore charter school. And we interviewed two kids from each grade K through eight. And, you know, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it was. It was a lot. <laughs> and, and then we had to leave there and go to an interview completely separate. Um, you know, just interviewing the kids would have been enough for one day. But um, so most of our days looked like that. They were just very stacked. And so by the end of it, I think we all were losing steam a bit. So that was a lesson learned for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, things were great with the team. There weren't really, there was no drama there. <laughs> Did you learn anything about yourself as a leader? Do, do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, this was my first time really leading a project. Mm-hmm. What'd you learn about yourself? And what, are your, what are some of your lessons on leadership? You know, yeah, lots of lessons. I mean, I think there's a fine line between being, you know, telling people what to do and like taking authority. And I think it took me some time to like figure that out. Um, You know, cause I want to be respectful and nice, you know, of, you know, what everybody needs. Um, But knowing when it's, you know, when you just have to step in and just take control and say, you know, this is what we're doing. Um, So yeah, I learned a lot as just a young director making my first film about, yeah, how to, you know, that fine line, that working with that balance. What did that, what what was that like for you that first time where you had to be like, this is what we're doing? (laughs) I mean, I, maybe I didn't describe it that well because like I do, like I take charge and that's okay. But I think, I mean, cause you have to as a director and as a producer, you have to, otherwise you're not going to get things done. Um, but I think when I, like I said, I, I overbooked things and, you know, it was a lot of like managing stress and just, you know, working with what's thrown at you. And I think, you know, that was surprisingly handled. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say surprisingly, but you know, I handled it well, like things were canceled and I found things to replace them, you know? So we were never not doing something, which maybe we could have used that break, but <laughs> I definitely want to remain in touch with you as you take on other projects. And, uh, cause I'm just interested in see where your career goes. Um, really. so on the subject of, of race, right? Like with the, obviously I shouldn't say, so I, I had on in a recent podcast, the director of equity for Baltimore city public schools. We brought up a, a number of topics related to education and the city of Baltimore, but you know, in Baltimore is a majority black city that has all black leadership and issues that and grapples with structural racism. And so uh, talking to her was interesting because being in San Francisco, that's not the case, right? We, we have a black mayor. We've always had some black representation in leadership. Like Kamala Harris is from San Francisco, for example, right? Um, and always is like an overstatement. Over the last 30 years, there's been somebody black around, but the population has dwindled tremendously. And the discussion becomes uh, like white versus black as opposed to 
like sh- structures harming black people. Now in Baltimore, black people are in charge of those structures, which is like kind of like interesting. It's like, oh, because we often say if black people were running things, things would be better. And when you talk to people that live in Baltimore, there's folks like it's, 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 things aren't good here, you know, because of the structures. So, so that's been an intriguing conversation for me. For you, right, this is your home county and you're covering a community that you're, you can grow up in uh, from another race. Um, what was your take on that? Like, how did you think about doing that? I mean, when I set out to make this film, like race really wasn't, like I didn't, you know, come into it with this like white savior complex. Like I'm going to tell this story. Like that really wasn't um, the goal. Um, I mean, obviously, yes, to your point, like, you know, I respect this topic and I see it as a problem. And that's why I want to use my voice and my platform to get these conversations started. But yeah, I mean, it's not a, a issue that I necessarily grew up experiencing or, um, you know, lived in these environments. So yeah, I mean, I am an outsider coming in to that from that perspective. Um, so I never wanted to like put this agenda on it or make it, I, I went into it letting the people tell me the story and then piecing it together from there. Like I had a general idea of where it might go, but you know, with my time, my time with Anthony in Harlem park and, you know, sitting down for an interview with Eric Jackson and, and learning from people who are living this every day. Um, you know, I let their voices shine through because that's what's most important. Yeah, I think you do a good job of it. I just, I, I was, I know you're passionate about the topic. Um, did you have any reservations about like, oh, are they going to trust me? Or like, maybe I shouldn't do this. Or was that not a factor? You were just like, I want to, uh, this is a great idea and I want to pursue it. Yeah, I mean, maybe I was a little naive in that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I, that didn't really hold me back. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I saw the value in, in having this conversation, you know, I didn't really think about or put too much of an emphasis on like, I guess me being a white woman coming in and, and telling the story, which I would totally understand reservations or distrust um but you know i have no biases like i'm just coming in to to give you a platform to share your story so you're going to do an extended version of this project i'm sure you probably have like well tell me about your idea process like are you a person that nurses one or do you have a thousand in a minute like what's what's going on with you that's a good yeah probably the latter um it's constantly changing and evolving Mm. Um, I don't want to give too much away on the next oh, film. <laughs> no exclusives for Cook on Monday morning. <laughs> okay. Maybe Continue. next time. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's going to look at the country as a whole, and it's gonna really dive deeper into this connection between 
housing, I guess I'll call it, and food, and how deeply tied, um, you know, those two are policy, housing policies, and just the things that created these environments that we live in. Um, I think that was one of the biggest revelations for me in making this film that I didn't, um, I didn't know was going to play as big a role when I set out to make Deserted, just how deeply tied um, food and how, and just access and the policies that have shaped this country are. Um, it's, it's disturbing. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm interested in seeing where that goes. So, so there's a thousand a minute. So you have something in mind. Are there other topics that you want to get into? besides the ones you're already kind of working on? Oh, just in general, just other In films. terms of like doing documentaries on different subjects, do you want to do anything on, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Like the, yeah. Like... No, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I mean, I can't lie. Food is kind of my priority. Okay. Um, I, I think maybe the one after that is going to look at um, food as medicine. Mm. And it was a healing substance, you know, which mm. is why we all need access to fresh food. It's so mm. important. It's so important. We should talk about food then. Because, uh, so do you have any diet restrictions? Do you like, like what's your, you eat everything or? Well, that was a good cue. <laughs> um, yeah, I, so it's kind of ironic um, that my, uh, this industry that I've kind of set out to or like t want to take on in my work um, has been affecting me my whole life and I didn't even know it. I've actually had um, chronic pain since I was four years old that nobody could figure out. Um, nobody knew what was going on. Like throughout my life, I just accumulated all these random symptoms that doctors in traditional Western medicine just like couldn't figure out. They had no idea what was going on. Um, and it, it was like right after I made Deserted that um, I started to work with people outside Western medicine to try and like heal my body and calm down the inflammation um, that was causing all these problems. Um, so my diet's a little bit atypical right now because I'm um, on a strict diet, only eating certain foods that aren't inflammatory but um yeah it's kind of a full circle moment and have you noticed any changes definitely yeah 100 percent um i wouldn't say i'm healed yet um it's definitely been a slow journey but i have i've seen improvements um and i am starting to heal for sure or i have been um it's been like almost two years that i've been you know in this process and so that's kind of where that other film topic I mentioned comes from. It's just, you know, this is knowledge. I think we all need to be, you know, everybody, um, you know, deserves to be aware of like to what extent these, um, these industries are really affecting us, you know, mm -hmm. um, in so many ways. Obstra, like me and sugar, you know, like, you know, that's like my, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't drink or do drugs, um, which I stopped maybe like in my late twenties and, but I, me and sugar though, it's like, <laughs> it's, 
it's yeah. like my, uh, you know, it's my thing. My my fight, my fight is with sugar. So I did this, I did this thirty day sugar fast, and I went through the mood changes, and my weight dropped tremendously. Um, I've also done like uh, coffee fast, so I've, I've I've gotten off of different things. Uh, and but it's always been hard for me to to keep to a particular eating regimen. Like one of the things that I uh, let go of was. Uh, in addition to, to drugs and alcohol was like was pork and red meat. So I still eat chicken and fish. Um, and I go weeks at a time without eating, you know, a meat or whatever. Then I came into the all the information related to Dr. Sebi. Have you heard of him? I don't think so, actually. He's an interesting person to look up. But he got famous over this controversy back in the like eight, 80s, 90s where he claimed that he cured HIV. He cured AIDS through through his through his his uh his food practices. So there was this trial where they were trying to um in like imprison him for false advertisement and then he was acquitted of all his charges, but the reasons why were never revealed. So people like um Nick Cannon and uh Nipsey Hussle they were collaborating to try to do the documentary on him. But Dr. Sebi is like a very well-known figure in the hip hop community, the black community. A lot of people have heard of Dr. Sebi. And, and he's essentially naturopath, healer, vegan, has a lot of testimonies from people that uh, claim that his way of eating has cured a lot of illnesses that they weren't able to heal from. So, you know, very interesting figure. Very interesting figure. Is but, that a vegan diet? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. So is that like what is the regimen that he recommends? Do you know? Is it vegan? Yeah, it's it's all he has like a there's a I have a I have a, a book, um, seventy seven meals, like diet Dr. Sebi food recipes. He has like a list of all the things that you can eat and the things that you should avoid. And then, and but in this particular book, it puts all of it together as a uh, different meal options. So I forget the things that you can't eat. I think I, I know eggs and cheese are definitely on there. Um, mm-hmm. I have to look through it, but I'll send you a copy of it too. Yeah, that would be great. What are the things that you are only eating now? Can you get into it? What? So I'm no sugar, no sugar at all, which mm-hmm. is been tough because i love sweets yeah. oh my god <laughs> i so commend you that's rough <laughs> how long like, has it been you know, like six months maybe okay so i won't send you any but, cookies as a thank you after this <laughs> i won't be able to eat them <laughs> but, um, yeah it's been like a couple months off of no fruit too so no sugar and no fruit um so no natural sugars and then it's it's very, it's just, it's been tough because, you know, environmentalists, like I was vegan before all of this happened. Um, and, you know, doing so for sustainability reasons. Um, and um, in going on this diet, apparently everything on the vegan diet, all beans, a lot of vegetables, um, you know, I can only have a certain amount of nuts, like all these, um, 
health, you know, healthy foods were inflammatory and um, just bad. So I am on currently a all meat diet. Mm -hmm. It's just all meat and like vegetables, but there are certain vegetables that I can only have a certain amount of um, because of the the way that they break down and like the level of fermentability in the gut. Um, so that was like a really, that was a big change for me <laughs> to go from no meat to all meat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, putting my environmental beliefs aside, it's helping me heal. So I'm doing it. Um, yeah, it's been quite a journey um, because I love food so much. Like I love trying new foods. I love experimenting. I love to cook. And it's just been extremely difficult to, um, you know, have part of my ad- identity taken away to a degree. Um, but, you know, I've been making the best of it. I get super creative with the foods that I can eat um, and make meals that are good. So, but it's, uh, you know, the goal is to get to a point where I can, you know, start eating more normally again, but I just got to, you know, clear up most of that inflammation before I can get there. So I'll let you know when I'm at that point. (laughs) Yeah, please do. Please do. Okay. So for the, for the film, what was the budget for it? The budget was super small. I mean, we had equipment from um, Ithaca Mm -hmm. and we didn't have to pay uh, room and board because we stayed here. So, I mean, we made the film for under a thousand dollars, which was pretty, pretty good. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And how can people support the film? Where can they go? Can they purchase it? Can they view it? Like what's the way to check it out? Yeah, um, the film will be on um, PBS streaming in at the end of this year. Okay. Um, so, yeah, they'll be able to check it out there. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. So we have uh, some rapid fire questions to end our discussion. All right, I'm ready. Do you meditate? Yes. It's not super frequently i do yoga every morning that's something i've started in quarantine do you have a motto um yes um jfk uh one person can make a difference and everyone should try what personal weakness can you forgive in someone that's a tough one um maybe fear uh the house is on fire your family is out you have to grab three things what do you grab oh my gosh the family is out, three things. Um, my journal. Um, I don't want to say like my computer, <laughs> my hard drives. <laughs> I don't know if I could live without all my media, my films and stuff. So definitely the hard drives. I'm going to count that as one. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. My cat. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Last and final question. Who's going to win the presidential election? It better be Joe Biden. There's no other alternative. (laughs) 
That's a scary question, though. That's a scary one. This is Emily Stubb, director of Deserted, uh, awesome filmmaker, great spirit, dope guest. Thank you, Emily. This was fun. I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. This is great. I appreciate you back. Peace, peace. And thank you for listening to the episode of Cook on Monday Morning. At Cook on Monday Morning, we are building lives that make us excited about Monday morning. We believe that if you can own Monday morning, you can own the week. If you can own the week, you can own the year. And if you change your year, you can change your life. I had such a great time getting to know and talking to the really incredible young filmmaker, Emily Stubb, uh, diving deep on her story and her new film, Deserted. I hope that uh, you'll look it up. Uh, follow her on Instagram. We'll put her Instagram uh, handle on the screen and support her, uh, elevate the story of the good people in Baltimore, you know, support good people. So thank you again, Emily, for coming on the podcast. I also like to thank our listeners. Thank you. I'm grateful for you and I appreciate your continued support. Please share the podcast with a friend. Help us grow our community of doers. Uh, when you get a chance, if you get a chance, please also take a minute to subscribe to the podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you listen to it on Apple, if you take a second to rate and review it, it helps people find it. So uh, please do that and help us grow and let people know that this is worth listening to. Now, if you're interested in starting a podcast, I wrote an article. It's called How to Start a Podcast During a Pandemic. <laughs> it goes over all the equipment that I use and some helpful book recommendations. Uh, so you can see the full article in the description box below. So Cook on Monday Morning is a product of the Luther Harris Holding Company. At the Luther Harris Holding Company, we work to create solutions that drive social impact. We do that by building partnerships between businesses and government. Uh, we recruit diversity talent to high impact roles, and we help companies drive impact in the communities where they do business. If you'd like to learn more, please send me an email at info at uh, I'd like to thank the people that make this podcast possible. Our videographer, David Topeta, our copy editors, Fernando Cinco Marquez and Devin Skessinger. Now, I get up every morning with the intention to create value and showcase my love to the people that keep our cities moving. They are our teachers, school lunch workers, custodians, social workers, firefighters, police officers, EMT workers, garbage collectors, bus drivers, and nurses. They are our employers, the folks creating jobs and keeping our economy moving. They are our gig workers, stocking our shelves, driving our ride share, delivering our food. To all of you, this podcast is for you. You live in places like San Francisco, Oakland, Richmond, Antioch, San Mateo, Los Angeles, Dallas, Houston, New Orleans, Baton Rouge, Miami, the Carolinas, Virginia Beach, Milwaukee, Kansas City, Cleveland, Detroit, Harlem, Brooklyn, Shout out to all of our listeners also uh, in Nigeria, Ghana, Jamaica, Kenya, and Ethiopia. To all of you, this podcast is for you. 
this message is touching the world and will continue to because of you. Until we meet again. Peace, peace, and we out. Thank you.